it was a Saturday. I'm driving home from City Tong. My brother, my younger brother, Max, was still fighting with me at the time. He wasn't there. He was with his, his now his wife and her family doing something that day. My older brother called me from San Francisco. He was like, hey, I can't get a hold of dad. When was the last time you talked to him? Oh, I don't know, maybe like Wednesday or Thursday. Why? Max can't get a hold of him. Amy, my stepmom, can't get a hold of him. You need to go over there and see what's going on. So, you know, in hindsight, I'm grateful it was me and not one of my little sisters or one of my little brothers um, because I'm 35 and my youngest brother is 15. You know, we got 20, 21 years in between us or he's sick, he'll, he'll be 16. Yeah. Um, so there's a, a wide range, you know what I mean, of, of kids there. So if had it been any other one, you know, who knows? Like that, that I think that could have been a, a bit more devastating for them. But I had to go find my dad. I walked up the stairs, saw him sitting on the couch, he was yelling at him. I'm like, what, what are you doing, you asshole? You don't know how to answer your phone. And I went to go grab his arm. I can still tell you how cold his arm was when I grabbed him. <laughs> UFC contract on the Data White Contender Series. You're an entrepreneur. You're also fighting that Cage Titans 50th event, man. This is awesome. Thank you so much for taking time in your day. I appreciate it. Oh, for sure, man. I love taking time to, to get on these shows. I Like I said, they're a blast for me. I love to go back with my guests. Like, where did you grow up? What, what was childhood like for you? So uh, I grew up uh, on the South Shore, Massachusetts, South Shore, Boston, in, in Abington. Um, my dad's from Situate. My mom's from Weymouth. Um, and my mom and dad had three boys. They got divorced. And then my dad had seven kids with my stepmom. So I grew up in a very large family. Uh, you know, I would call that your, that's like the American dream right there, right? That's, that's how it happens. Everybody gets married, remarried, divorced, remarried kids. And then you've got two big happy families, right? So um, when we were little, you know, it was always my mom, it was always up. Mary's here with the three boys. Let's see how long they last. And it was always, we were like little hellions, you know, we'd always just, cause the ruckus beat the shit out of each other always fighting always beating each other up you know it just just boys being boys i guess yeah. um you know played sports my whole life and then uh i got into wrestling um in high school really fell in love with the sport uh you know unfortunately i went to a school that didn't have wrestling played rugby through college and towards the end of college i started getting back into or started getting into Brazilian jiu-jitsu and Muay Thai and whatnot and, and really just like fell in love with it um and I wasn't competing you know it was an idea to compete at that point but it was just like it reminded me very much of wrestling and it gave me an opportunity to to continue that like you know a, a lifelong athlete all through you know my academic career played three sports all through you know mostly through high school and then played rugby through college and I was just like not ready to give up, you know, having some sort of hobby. And, uh, you know, I went to school out in Denver, Colorado. So I've, I've moved around a little bit. I went to a, a private high school here in Boston. I went to BC High, um, which is a Jesuit school, which is what got me out to Regis University in Denver, another Jesuit school. And while I was out there in Colorado, um, there was a local kid, you know, up and coming rising talent, Brandon Thatch, who is, a, is also a UFC veteran. And one of my buddies was like, hey, if you really want to get into Muay Thai, we got to go learn from him. Like, he's the real deal. He's like the Rocky Mountain bad boy, five time amateur champ running, you know, you know, coming up in the games. So I got, you know, lucky enough to go train with Brandon. 
at this gym called Inner Strength Fitness. And it was one of the hot gyms in the area uh, at the time. This is like back in 2008, 2009, I think, maybe 2010, 2011. Um, but, you know, I, I got to see what a fight team looked like, what kind of stuff was going into it. They had a lot of pro fighters fighting out of the gym. Um, and, I, and I, like I said, man, I just, I just fell in love with it. And, you know, one thing led to another. I, I did my, you know, I did a couple stints at some clubs working out there and then ended up moving home to, to be a, a productive member of society, as my mom liked to say back then, you know, Peter, you need to come home and pay your bills. Stop fucking around. Stop being a party animal. You know, you got to get this under control. Yeah. So they, they convinced me to move home. And when I moved home, I found out that my, my cousin was actually, you know, he had a couple amateur fights and he was driving by my house every day to get to the gym. I said, Zach, if you're driving right by my house, pick my ass up. I will get you better. I will help you get better. You didn't wrestle. I wrestled all through high school. Like I can help you do these things. And, and one thing led to another and I started fighting and man, I just fell in love with it even more so than, than the, the regiment of training and, and, and being in it and helping other people get ready. You know, I, I lost my first amateur fight and I was like, I was hooked. Looked at my yeah. coach. I was like, coach, can you get me another fight tonight? And he's like, what? I'm like, yeah, it's like, like high school wrestling. If you lose your first match, you get a second one, maybe a third one, maybe a fourth one. You go clean up on the things you did wrong. And it's like, Peter, you're not going to fight for another two or three months. You need to go rest your injuries, like figure out what hurts. Like you're, you're full of adrenaline right now, but I really appreciate that attitude. And, and I love it. So, um, you know, one thing led to another amateur career, pro career, quit my job, started taking it a bit more seriously. Not that I never took it seriously, but um, just opened up that more time to have a better schedule for training. Yeah. And uh, I think that's like the TV guide of, of you know, what got me to fighting. Um, and then, was, you know, I, I yeah, but that, that's what we're, we're, we're fast forward. We're here right now in about, we're, we're at 2015 in my, in my timeline right now. Yeah. Yeah. I awesome. Think. Yeah. Dude, that's killer, man. I love the story. And I mean, here you are, you get to go on Dana White's contender series. You end up winning that. You get the contract. As you're walking to the octagon that first time, like what's going through your mind in that experience there? So the first time I walked to the octagon was actually, it was the same venue, same arena as my contender series fight. Cause I fought both my fights with the UFC were uh, in the middle of COVID. Oh, right. And, yes. um, we fought at the apex center, no fans, you know, you could have a conversation clear as day with your corner, <laughs> with your opponent's corner, with yeah. Dana White at the time in the midst of the fight. Cause like you could hear a mouse fart in that room while you were yeah. fighting. That's quiet. It was, uh, <laughs> right. So, yeah. you know, walking to the cage, man, it was an incredible experience for me. Like I finally felt, um, like, this is where I belong. This is what I've been working so hard for. It was just a lot of validation for, you know, up about like up until now, about a decade of trying to get here. And, um, you know, I, I walked out to, to the dead South, uh, this little light of mine, it's the same song you're thinking of. It's just a nice bluegrass, like a country, like they're kind of like, I don't want to say like alternative country bluegrass, but like you listen to their music, you think it's bluegrass, you listen to the lyrics, and you're like, these are some bad motherfuckers. This stuff is awesome. Yeah. It's almost like outlaw country, I guess would be totally. the best way to put it. But they have this, you know, a cover or a rendition of this little light of mine, you know, I'm going to let it shine. I walked out to that. I just met with, uh, you know, who, how would I want to describe this lady? She's an important woman in my life. Her name's, uh, Mary Kim Garrity, she runs the Zen Den, but she's also 
a Reiki master and to some extent a channel or a medium. And we had just finished up a guided meditation the week before. And my dad came and visited us during the session. And, you know, one of the reoccurring themes was, you know, from the darkness comes the light. A lot of it was about a lot of the conversations were focused around the light and, you know, bringing myself to, to be a full, you know, like full circle with the fighting, with being a good person with, with everything. So, you know, I, I walked out of that session. I looked up, you know, this little light of mine, I found the dead South and it hit me, you know, this, the music was great. And I was like, this is what I'm walking out to. So for me, walking to the octagon to get back to that question was like, I had my dad on my shoulders. I had my brother on my shoulders. I had my stepdad with me. Um, you know, I've lost a lot of people close to me over the, over the last few years in, in some pretty harrowing ways. And, hmm. you know, that night was, was about, you know, showing everybody that I can put my mind, what I, what I put it to, or I can accomplish what I put my mind to. Yeah. Now, unfortunately I rhythm stepped in Zalal spitting heel kicked me in the face within the first 30 seconds of the fight. It didn't go my way. Um, but up until that point, I mean, I was, you know, like living my dream. I was like on cloud nine. Was, was I a little, you know, not present enough? I don't know. Maybe I was soaking it in a little bit too much. I started a little slow, who knows, but you know, it, that's how it happened and I wouldn't change it. Yeah. So I'm grateful for the experience and to have had it. But uh, obviously, you know, both of my fights in the UFC, I think me, me and, that guy fight 10 times unfortunately they got the one or two times they beat me that night and right. then, uh, that breaks my heart but you know that's just the way it is yeah well and now i mean you you've had the majority of your fights have been with cage titans and now you're fighting spencer higa i think is how you say his last name but on their 50th event which is awesome mm-hmm. what's been your experience working with cage titans and, and how are you feeling about being on their 50th event man that's pretty rad yeah, I mean, Cage Titans has been has been an awesome opportunity for me, and it's like a, a blessing, um, not a blessing and a curse. I don't know why I was going to say that, but it's been a blessing, you know. Like yeah. I, I have had all except for maybe three of my fights between my amateur and pro career with them, and even my pro fight outside of the UFC, the Contender Series that was with CES was like low key, really a, a Cage Titans card and CES was put in a position where they weren't able to fulfill their media roles. So they worked out a, a deal with cage Titans and took essentially cage Titans outsourced their card to CES to help them out and uh, help get some of their guys a little bit more national uh, limelight. So yeah. it was really, I mean, all of my pro fights outside of my last, you know, the three fights up at the next level have been cage Titans fights. So Mike's an awesome guy. He got into promoting because he was fighting and saw how shitty these people were doing a job, you know, like you show up and you're looking for, you know, to get paid and the promoter's saying, no, I can't pay you until I have my next show. So what does that tell you? The promoter's behind the show. So he's paying, he's, he's committing to Paul, but robbing from Peter and however, you know, robbing Peter to pay Paul, however you want to look at it. He saw that, you know, he bounced around a little bit. I think he fought three or four times before he was like, this is trash. I need to fix this. Yeah. And he got into promoting MMA and, you know, his thing was just, you know, do the fighters right, do everything right. And over the years, you know, we had Manny Bermudez go up to the UFC. We had, uh, you know, there, there have been a host, Kyle Bokniak, there have been a host of guys that have fought, you know, Mike Rodriguez that have fought for the UFC. I mean, have fought within Cage Titans and then got to the UFC. But um, I, I would say Manny Bermudez was a Cage Titan that went to the UFC. I would say Joe Giannetti went to Tough, went to the UFC, myself included. 
but all along Mike was, was there acting as a manager or as a coach to kind of like, you know, you know, he talks about us as like his kids growing up. So he wanted to be there for those experiences. So he was able to go and, you know, every, every chance he had to be behind the scenes, he was taking notes about how they were running their show. Okay. We got the blue shirts at the UFC. They do this. We've got guys that do this. We've got guys that do this. So when he came back to cage Titans, he was implementing these roles and duties to other people to allow himself to, you know, have more of a, a more of a facilitator role than doing everything himself, you know? Yeah. And he's just a really smart guy. And, and like all of the media that comes out of cage Titans. Now you'd think that there was a lot of money behind it. He does it all of himself. There's a lot of, you know, promo that comes out of cage Titans. You would think there's a lot of money behind it. He does it all himself more. So now he outsources it, but he, took every chance he could to learn how to, to run the industry. Right. And, and he improved with every single show and he went from losing money, breaking even to being able to take one show and then put prospective shows in the future together, you know? So he, yeah, like he's just a smart guy, runs everything, right. Takes care of his fighters, takes care of the guys that he flies in, you know, if, you know, and, and he's not afraid to fly guys in, you know what I mean? Even right. guys that might beat beat the hometown guys. I fought TJ Brown, um, one of my last cage Titans fights, and we had a fucking three-round barn burner before he got me in a head and arm at the end of the at the end of the fight. You know what I mean? And right. that was a fight for me. Like that was a fight for me to win, but we brought in tough competition, you know, to to see how I would fare up against someone, you know, right there with me to to get to the next level. So, you know, and he takes care of TJ. He still sees TJ and they have a great relationship, still talks to him. Um, but I could go on. Yeah, yeah. Titans, they do almost everything right. They, they, they bring doctors in if you don't have insurance to help get your medicals done. Nice. They'll line things up for you. They'll pay for things on the front end and take it out of your pay on the back. Um, I don't know if I should be advertising that, but he, <laughs> he has done that for me. And I know he's done that for some other people. Yeah. Um, you know, and it also helps that I sell a ton of tickets. Sure. You know, it, it, you got to hold your weight. So I knew that if he was flying someone in for me, I had to sell X amount of tickets to at least cover that dude's flights. Otherwise right. I'm taking and I'm, I'm just taking and it's a one-sided relationship. So, you know, I mean, we're in my basement, my basement gym right now. I want to turn it around, but it's kind of messy, but like to get an idea, like my brother used to fight with me, you know, yeah. that's his banner. I mean, we, we, we've been doing everything crazy the whole time. Yeah. And we're on all of their banners as well. So come on. Like we, we just, you know, we love Cage Titans. Cage Titans loves us, and, and we sell a ton of tickets, and, and we pack the house. Yeah. One of the things that when I was doing some research on you, like, that you're a big advocate of is mental health. And I think people have this, they deal with mental health, but they don't want to re always reveal that. Why are you such an advocate on mental health? And what are those struggles that fighters deal with that they, you know, should be talked about? Yeah, I mean, um, I'm a big advocate for mental health because I think it's one of those topics that everybody does. Like, it's like the pink elephant in the room. Nobody wants to address it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've dealt with depression. I have direct members in my family that have dealt with depression. My younger brother ended up, my younger brother over to accident. I say accidentally, and he, he took the drugs knowing knowingly to have a good time but it was fentanyl it wasn't what he thought it was so it's an accidental overdose on fentanyl mm. my, my dad battled with opiates um the later part of his life he ended up having a heart attack but still you know he went from being on the top of the world to living in a one bedroom studio apartment above a garage and uh so i i it's it's been really close to me you know um mm -hmm. and i just think that 
there are ways out of it. There are healthy ways out of it. You don't necessarily need to medicate yourself out of it. Um, and I wanted to really advocate for, for that way of treatment for these things, you know, like, um, Hey guys, this episode is sponsored by Tranquil Turtle Massage. Tracy over there, the founder, she's a small town girl from Montana, loves God, loves her family, loves her friends, loves working out, fishing, and camping. She has a passion for helping those in need and enjoys being creative with woodworking, crocheting, healthy baking, pottery, and cooking. Look, she began her massage journey back in 2010 where she graduated from massage school up in Anchorage, Alaska. She specializes in her signature massages, the Hanu Infusion and the Hanu Ashiatsu, as as well as the gua sha and manual lymphatic drainage. If you're looking for a massage specialist and someone who could get you feeling good, go see Tracy down at Tranquil Turtle Massage. And while you're there, check out CDA Microblading, offering Coeur best tattoo brows, plasma fibroblast, tightening, and PMU services right there in the heart of downtown Coeur Make sure you book your appointment at pnwmobilemassage.com. Quick timeline, 2017, I get a phone call on July 4th. Nope, I lied. July 4th, I was with the Cage Titans crew with, you know, everybody that fought for Cage Titans. We went and we did a 4th of July parade down in Plymouth, Mass. Like, that's where Plymouth Rock is, the Pilgrims, that whole nine. Yeah. And, uh, you know, competing schools, guys that don't normally get around each other, that normally wouldn't like each other. We all kind of just said, fuck it. We're going to have a good day with Cage Titans. We're going to do this. And then we can go back to hating each other tomorrow. <laughs> so I do that on the 4th of July. I wake up on the 5th. Boom, I get a phone call. Hey, we found Christian dead in his apartment this morning. Uh, not sure what had happened, but, you know, it, it's looking like an overdose. And my brother was living down in Florida, working a program while working in a program as a therapist or a counselor. Clearly wasn't, didn't have everything under control, um, but that's what he was doing down there to get it under control. And he was with his girlfriend the night before 4th of July borrowed my cousin's car to drive her home and then that was the last they saw they saw them so he either dropped her off and went and scored a bag of some bad bad heroin or bad pills or pressed fentanyl or whatever and they didn't my cousin and, and their, their group of friends didn't find him until the next morning so it was you know past like doing anything you know what I mean like there was not you could couldn't hope for an ambulance maybe he'd come back like it, they found him and, and it was done um so that like tore my family apart like i said my um one of 11 you know my mom remarried three stepsisters on that side four stepsisters on that side one of 15 but when my little brother passed away you know it rocked my whole family um stepmom devastated brothers and sisters devastated some of them still dealing with you know the depression and the sad days like it was yesterday um so that that sucked right and yeah. then that's july august september i i'm the one who finds my dad on the third in his apartment stiff as a board ice cold died from a heart attack at some point within the last 10 hours you know so uh i'm running through it quick because we could spend all time all the, the whole you know talking about this but it was a saturday i'm driving home from city Tong. my brother my younger brother max was still fighting with me at the time he wasn't there he was with his, his now his wife and her family doing something that day my older brother called me from san francisco he was like hey i can't get a hold of dad when was the last time you talked to him oh i don't know maybe like wednesday or thursday why max can't get a hold of him amy my stepmom can't get a hold of him you need to go over there and see what's going on. 
So, you know, in hindsight, I'm grateful it was me and not one of my little sisters or one of my little brothers um, because I'm 35 and my youngest brother is 15. You know, we got 20, 21 years in between us or he'll he'll be 16. Um, So there's a a wide range, you know what I mean, of of kids there. So if had it been any other one, you know, who knows, like that, that, I think that could have been a, a bit more devastating for them, but I had to go find my dad. I walked up the stairs, saw him sitting on the couch, yelling at him. I'm like, what, what are you doing, you asshole? You don't know how to answer your phone. And I went to go grab his arm. And I can still tell you how cold his arm was when I grabbed him. Like, it was fucked up. And, um, you know, that's a lot to take on. You know, I call, you know, I had to figure out what to do, who to call, how to, like, who do you call when you find a dead body? What do you, what do you, what do you do? I, I didn't know what to do, yeah. you know? So I had to call my brother, I call my aunts, call my uncles, call my mom, call my stepmom call my whole family pretty much and uh you know had to figure it out and losing my my younger brother two months previous to that in my head hear me out I'm like you know you can get away with telling yourself for so long that Christian's still alive he's just down in Miami he's down in Florida wherever the hell he was living down in Tampa whatever you know I can just outsource that he's you know I don't see him I don't talk to him as regularly as I could have you know but then you have the realization that now my, 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 my dad's passed away too. So now it's one, two back to back. And it was just, it was like, it was a tragedy, you know, for the family, for everybody included. And uh, it put me on a really dark path, uh, like regularly drinking, regular, I say over-medicating. I was smoking a ton of weed. I was drinking like an asshole, um, but I was still showing up to all of my training. So I would, show up for my coaches that Peter's got his shit together. He's training. He's here. I'd leave the gym. I'd probably grab a handful of nips, drive home from Somerville town to the South shore. So that's about a 40 minute drive, hit the packy from the highway to my house, grab another handful of nips, you know, crawl into bed, wake up, get to my first training session, rinse, wash, repeat. And that went on for probably, you know, it didn't, it wasn't like that the day after, but it progressed, it progressed into that before I was like, you know, I'm, I need to get a hold of my shit or they're going to be burying me next or, right. or I'm not going to be, I'm not going to make it home one night. I'm not, I'm going to be in the woods wrapped around a fucking telephone pole. Like God forbid, you know, I get caught up hurting, trying to numb these things out. So, mm. uh, I couldn't, it got, got to the point where I couldn't ignore it anymore. I had everybody fooled. I, I, but when it came to fight night, I was losing fights yep. that I shouldn't lose, you know, fights that I could have won. TJ Brown. I was, you know, when I fought TJ, I fought him like maybe November 4th on October 31st of that year, we were moving into a new house and we put down two bottles of fucking tequila, mm-hmm. you know, like the week, though, probably seven days before I had to make weight, <laughs> you yeah. know, it just, I was not making healthy decisions and fight night. I'm sitting in fight up in the back room thinking, did I show up? Was I there? Did I give my best? Did I give my all like the checklist that I go through that normally builds me to the point where I'm like, no, nah, I'm fucking Superman. I'm a God. Like I'm untouchable. I was going through this checklist and I'm like, I'd give you a seven out of 10 on that one, Pete. I'd give you a six out of 10 on that one. Like you didn't even, you didn't even think twice about that, you know? And these are the things going through my head when I'm getting ready to go fight someone. And, you know, it's just a very unhealthy cycle of numbing out the things you don't want to pay attention to so 
you know, with some therapy, some positive goal setting, getting back into the gym, getting sober, getting off the weed for a little bit, getting off the alcohol for a little bit. Um, therapy, you know, I did, I, while I got off these other things, I, I started microdosing with psilocybin mushrooms, which was a total game changer. I mean, I, I can't advocate for that enough. Do your homework. Don't just jump into it and think, oh, I can take a, a mushroom this size and it's not as big as the mushroom that big. So it's got to be a microdose. Right. Um, you know, it's, it's do your research, but if you know what you're doing, or as long as you feel like you know what you're doing, or you have someone that you can talk to about it that can help guide you through it, I think it's a very beneficial thing. And um, so that coupled with the therapy and, and, and I didn't just call my insurance company and say, Hey, I need to go talk to somebody. I did my research again. I wanted to find someone that resonated with me. I wanted to find someone that I knew would say, Hey, you know what? It sounds like you're really stressed out. Maybe you should do some breath work and some yoga a couple of times a week, not wake up and eat this and take this pill and take that pill and then take this to sleep and then take that. You know what I mean? I didn't, yeah. there's a difference between a therapist and a psychologist and whatnot, but I wanted to make sure I wasn't going to go to someone that was going to say, here's this medicine. It'll make you feel better. Right. I wanted, you know, and right about this time is when Tyson Fury started making his comeback okay. and he had that awesome podcast on the Joe Rogan experience. And I listened to that podcast and I swear it was like, all right, if this motherfucker can do it, I can fucking do it. And, you know, setting little goals, easy goals, setting little goals. So the goals compiled and it just turns into more positive reinforcement, uh, getting to the gym every day, not drinking, not smoking, not, you know, giving my all, doing my best, being here, you know, reflecting on the things that I've done. And it, it just helped me get back to a place of where I felt really good. And, you know, that couple, that paralleled me getting back up to the contender series with coming off of a few losses, taking out another top prospect in New England, and then getting the bid to go to the contender series, which is just about the same time I was wrapping up all my work with my therapist. And, and I just, you know, I saw my depression manifesting in my fight career. So we went after the depression outside of my fight career, and then everything started coming back to, to where it should be. Come on, man. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. My condolences for your losses, man. I can't imagine, you know, going through that. Um, one of the things I want to talk about though, you're building this cool combat cardio program at hardcore fitness. What's this program about, man? And how can people get into this thing? Yeah. So it's a really, really cool program that I'm starting. So what we do, um, it's pretty much a boxing Muay Thai heavy bag fitness class. Um, but I make it really easy for people to the point where, it's a three minute round. I break that three minute round into three individual minutes. First minute, we do one combination. So it's 45 seconds of work, 15 seconds of rest, 45 seconds of work, 15 seconds of rest, 45 seconds of work, 15 seconds of rest, and then you get a minute off. So you're doing three rounds, kind of like high intensity interval or Tabata training with prescribed combinations. You get your 15 seconds of rest and then you get a minute off. Um, so I have all of these, I've got the eight rounds written up on a big old whiteboard for everybody. I go over them. I call them out. I'm, I'm yelling at people. I'm, I'm performing. You know what I mean? It's like public speaking, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but I'm leading the class and having a good time doing it. And we do eight rounds on the bag, uh, eight, three minute rounds on the bag. And then we do two, five minute rounds of some body weight exercises that really just smoke you to get you feeling like, man, I just whooped my own ass before 9 a.m. Yeah. And then, I'm, you know, and then I get everybody on their way to, to, to work for the day. And 
you know, I've been getting a ton of positive feedback about it. Everybody loves it. I just, we just need some, some, some brave people to come in and sign up and get involved with it. Come on. That's awesome. Where do they, where can they sign up for just DM you or where's the best place for them to get DM me? If you guys are curious, DM me, uh, I, if my link tree is working, it should be on my Instagram profile with a link to sign up for classes. Cool. I post about them every night on my story with a click through link that you can get to, to the signups. But the, the facility is located in Rockland right off of the old exit 18, which we just renumbered all of our exits based off of like the mile markers. So I have no okay. idea. The Rockland <laughs> exit off Route 3 South, right there by Home Depot. We're right behind in a business park. Uh, super convenient, right on, you know, real close to the highway. Uh, come check us out. <laughs> Right on, man. I, I love to finish my show with the, the fun questions there. Uh, I'm a big music guy. Like, who's a favorite band for you? Who do you, what kind of music do you like to listen to? Set and setting, really, you know. Um, <laughs> it, you know, I have a, a playlist on Spotify called Marathon Monday. And that's, you know, that's if I'm training people, training, sparring, whatever. Monday night at Sit Your Tongue is Marathon Monday because it's 10 to 15, three minute rounds of sparring and then clinch work at the end. So I built the playlist to go with that. Nice. Uh, so it's all, you know, hip hop, punk rock, hardcore, the whole nine. Uh, if I'm just chilling, I'll probably listen to, to, to music more like, like a sublime long beach, the ball stars. Uh, I've been listening to sat song a lot lately. He's uh he's, I think he's an Idaho or Montana guy. Yeah. Um, but they've got some really cool vibes, but if it, it, it again, man, set and setting, I listen to East force when I'm on my psychedelic journeys. I, I listen to, um, you know, Jack Johnson, G Love, Hyrie, everybody. You know, if it's good music, I'll listen to it. Yeah, I'm. I just don't like southern pop country music. Okay, I'm right. Out of that, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, and like the really pop hip hop. Yeah, uh, I have a hard time. Yeah, I know it's more about the producers than about the guys singing it these days. But it's like, eh, I still go back to my old stuff from like the '90s and the, and the early 2000s for for hip hop. But yeah, um, you get the whole underground scene. You got the guys like. Chucky D. Gaff, the whole SRH movement, um, everybody out there, out in SoCal, and then you know, it's just there's there's so much good music everywhere. Yep. You know, there's you got guys like Slain out here. You got DMS all over the place on the East Coast hardcore scene. Um, Danny Diablo. I mean, all these guys. I listen to everything. Nice. Everything. Nice. I wanted to give you an opportunity too, Pete, to give a shout out to coaches, teammates, sponsors, man, anything like that. Obviously, you got this big fight coming up. Uh, for cage titans and uh, just wanted to give you an opportunity to just give a shout out to anybody you'd like man hell yeah i appreciate that so um i've got you know my family my family companies behind me the the barrett restaurant group has stepped up and, and sponsored me in a very uh generous manner so has my uncle's business uh the barrett alehouse barrett's alehouse separate from the barrett restaurant group i know it's confusing stepped up uh real big with the platinum you know platinum package i have different packages of sponsorships and and he, you know, really stepped up big for me. Uh, the restaurant industry is, is booming again. You know, the, the last couple of years with COVID has been really tough and it's been hard for my family to help support me through these things. But now that everything's back up and open, um, both families, both sides of my family uh, have been helping out a lot. So big shout out to the restaurants there. Um, top Game Management, Tyson Chardia, he's awesome. Uh, Sit Yatong and Lozon's MMA. And then my man, my strength and conditioning coach, Mike Perry, he's just getting over his battle with prostate cancer, just getting his pump taken out, just finished up this chemo. So I always love to shout out someone like that who's who's doing the real hard work behind the scenes to to make sure his fighters are getting what they need. Yeah. 
Oh man, Pete, such an honor to have you on my show, man. I'm super pumped to see you back in the cage, dude. You're an absolute world changer, man. I love your story, dude. Thank you for sharing that with me, man. Really appreciate it, man. Keep changing the world, brother. I really appreciate it. Oh, for sure. Thank What's you. What's going on? Thank you so much for watching the show. I really appreciate it. Hey, I just wanted to do a quick introduction. If you've not seen my show or you don't know the services that I offer, I wanted to drop them to you right now. One, I do voiceover work. So if you're looking for a voiceover person to cover your motivational videos, or maybe it's Kickstarter videos or whatever it is, let me know. I'm more than happy to help you out there. I also work with brands on brand and product videos. So they'll send me their products to do reviews or box openings. Let me know. I'd love to work with you on your product as well and help you get that product out there. I also love to be able to share my story. So if I can make an impact on one person at your next speaking engagement, let me know. I love to talk about my story. I love to talk about how our past does not define our future and morning routines and being consistent, how to be around those successful people that are just going to lift you up. Let's chat about having me speak at your next event. Let's make it happen. Again, thank you so much for checking out this show. Check out ericgallonmedia.com. Really appreciate your time. Have an awesome day.